Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the second of two Christmas specials of the political party being released after Christmas. But they were recorded very close to Christmas. And for some people it's still Christmas, so it's not too weird. The main point is the politics, isn't it? Uh, as I said uh, on the last show, I've added, and I'm very excited to be doing these wonderful um, venues, two extra nights at the South Bank Centre on the 7th and 12th of March, and two nights at the other palace in the main room. So this is the venue where I've always recorded the podcast. The main room upstairs is a beautiful West End theatre. So we're doing that on the 28th of January and the 19th of March. You can get tickets for those shows through the Other Palace website, otherpalace.co.uk, and for the Southbank shows, southbankcentre.co.uk, um, because there'll be a lot happening between now and then. Also, I'm back on the road. The tour then um, goes outside of London and starts on the 1st of February in the wonderful place of Camberley, at the Camberley Theatre. Then on the 2nd of February, I'm in Gloucester. 3rd of February in Salford. Uh, 9th in Maidstone, 15th of February in Leicester, 18th in Northallerton, 19th in Darlington, 20th Barnard Castle, 21st in Hexham. Um, then I'm back out at Starbridge on the 1st of March, Stafford on the 8th of March, Cambridge on the 14th of March, Corby on the 15th of March, Bristol on the 31st of March, uh, Aberystwyth on the 10th of May, uh, Edinburgh on the 12th of May, Glasgow the 13th of May, Newcastle the 14th of May, Cor- uh, Chorley sorry, on the 18th of May, um, and that's it for now, but some more will be added. So do check mapford.com slash live and follow me on Twitter at mapford for the latest live dates. I can't wait to get out and take the show on the road. Um, it's just such a wonderful time to be doing stand-up about politics. So to business of this show, Adam Bolton and Alistair Campbell, two alpha males with a history. Enjoy. Thank you very much, everyone. Merry Christmas. Thank you very much for coming along tonight to the second of two political party Christmas specials. Uh, was anyone here last night? Excellent. Well, no, it's good. It means I can do all the same jokes again. So uh, thank you very much for coming. Last night we had uh, Jess Phillips and Sarah Wollaston, uh, two amazing women, sorry, people, two amazing people. Uh, so easy to get the two words mixed up, isn't it? It's a nightmare. Um, so we had Jess and Sarah last night, and we have two uh, wonderful guests tonight. But let me first uh, introduce the band, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for the wonderful MP4! <laughs> On drums, Conservative, Greg Knight. <laughs> On keys, from the SNP, Pete Wishart. <laughs> On guitar and vocals, from Labour, Ian Causey. And guitar and vocals from Labour, Kevin Brennan. <laughs> well, ladies and without, without further ado, let's welcome uh, a, a star of political parties, pastor, a fan favourite. Please give it up for uh, Tony Blair's former Director of Communications, the one and only, Alistair Campbell. <laughs> Alistair Campbell. 
Okay. Um, so let's let's pull a cracker first. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you win. What's it say? Is there a joke in there? Can you see? I could so do it if you went over there. No. These are the cheapest crackers that have I got ever from Waitrose. Well, there's nothing in them. Oh, there is. Oh, there is a joke. There is a joke. Oh, here we go. Key so ring. No, you have it. You have it. Happy Christmas. <laughs> Do I have to read the joke? Yeah, of course, yeah. Okay. Well, you got your bifocals <laughs> on. Uh, what is green and goes to a summer camp? Oh, a Brussels scout. <laughs> that was actually, as far as the, I mean, to be fair, you didn't write that one. No, no. It's quite good. So, um, an interesting week in politics, let alone an interesting year. Mm. If you were still advising the leader of the Labour Party. After you'd seen him call the Prime Minister, appear to call the Prime Minister a stupid woman, mm. what would your advice have been to Jeremy Corbyn? <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know what? I mean, I did think yesterday, and I thought all day today, actually, that, as you just said, you've got this whole Brexit thing completely imploding. And the ease with which our debate goes straight down so the fucking news leads on lip readers. <laughs> right? I mean, so, I mean, I sort of didn't care. And, and also, it's like, you know, there's so much worse that should be said about Theresa <laughs> May. Okay, what would so you I, call her? I'd get straight up and probably, you know, I think the F word is totally legitimate. I would get, I would get kicked out of the House of Commons happily. Just to, you know, I mean, even the guy who picked up the mace. Yeah. Because it's like, what do you do with this woman? I mean, she, look, she lost a majority. Yeah. Do you remember? Strong and stable, every vote will strengthen my hand. Yeah. She lost her majority. That is why we're now in this mess. And she behaves like she won a landslide. And whatever she does goes. So I just think, and I did think yesterday, I mean, actually, <laughs> maybe I was, I was sort of tempting fate a bit because before, the, before he said bloody members of the human race, as he obviously, <laughs> you know, it was obvious what he said. Um, and, but I did a tweet saying, and I said, don't often say this, but Corbyn wiped the floor with her today. And a minute later, <laughs> it was like all we were talking about was this bloody woman thing. So you just thought, I just thought the whole thing was absurd. So actually, I didn't mind him. I don't look if he went back and told something that is untrue, that is not kind of very good. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I just, I, I just, it just made me think our our politics is utterly, completely screwed. If that is what we're talking about, when Matt Hancock is going around with his big grin on saying, I'm the biggest percher of fridges in the world at the moment. <laughs> I mean, it's mad. I know it is, but it's just, I just love the idea that if you were Corbyn's press secretary, you'd yeah. have basically put out a statement saying, uh, the leader of the opposition apologises for not going far enough. <laughs> and should have called her a fucking idiot. I've got to say, I'll say to you that, I, would, I really would have loved it this morning. I, know, I shouldn't say this, but this is private, isn't it? But, <laughs> yes, but yes, yes. I would have loved it if he'd have come out this morning and just said, 
got on his bike and said, this is political correctness gone bad. (laughs) 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 It would have been absolutely brilliant if he'd done that. Well, instead of which, he came out and he, and he blamed the bloody media again for sort of, you know, why he covered it, which I get. Because, I, I mean, I think there is something just weird going on at the moment. It's like, cover anything apart from this is what is happening, this is what this deal means, this is why it's a total catastrophe for the country. The, we just want to seem to want to get away from talking about it. Well, if only we had a heavyweight from the media with us tonight to <laughs> explain. Now, uh, our second guest tonight is, uh, is one of Britain's most revered and decorated... Revered? Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Don't start yet. Crikey. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> one of our most revered political broadcasters, a heavyweight uh, of political journalism. Please give a huge welcome to Adam Bolton. <laughs> I think reviled was the word. (laughs) (laughs) Adam, welcome to the show. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna we're gonna bid goodbye to MP4 for now, but they'll be back later. Please give it up for MP4. Thank you, fellas. So, um, are you two going to be okay with each other? Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> well, we should, just in case you don't get the context here. <laughs> oh, let's have a look. For the joke. Yeah, let's have a look. Is this how you get your material? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I wish. Matt Ford's Christmas cracker show. Should I try it without my glasses? No, I can't do it. <laughs> it's hopeless, isn't it? It's all right. It's bad. Uh, what do you call a sick crocodile? Don't know. An alligator. Oh, <laughs> Very good. Well, what I was, I was just going to enlighten the audience, just in case you weren't aware of the, the context of Adam Bolton and Alistair Campbell. I think we've got a clip that we can show uh, <laughs> <laughs> on your screen. So the context of this, this is after the 2010 election. Oh. See you both again. <laughs> <laughs> but everything's cool now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the point is, I was right, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that I shouldn't have lost my temper. He won emotionally, but I was actually right on the, right on the facts. 
But is that... Well, we I, 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 more importantly, I've aged really well. <laughs> <laughs> I think you both aged well. Yeah. You both aged very well. Um, so when you're... Uh, because uh, that clip went viral, you know, it really mm. was. It was the most talked about clip of the... Well, of it was the, the first time I ever heard the expression, you're trending on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> our, our PR person's phone up said, you're trending on Twitter. I said, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> I, w I didn't know, you know, that it was such a moment. Because uh, what had happened, the reason I was there... Was me and Gordon Andrew Brown Bonus. was too frit, yeah. No, because Gordon, <laughs> Gordon, Gordon, having, you know, gone through this entirely legitimate constitutional move, had called <laughs> and, and call the ca a cabinet meeting so as you could tell them about this entirely legitimate constitutional move, yeah. and Andrew Donis and I were the only sort of, you know... Unelected. Senior, unelected <laughs> people. So we had to go and do the public. So I did about 20 interviews in a go, and I knew that it was a bit of a thing, but when I got back into the office... It was like the whole office was around their computers watching it again. And I mean, what's going on? And it, you just knew then it sort of gone. And I still get people today raising it. I still I'll get people coming out saying you should have hit him. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I, well, you I, should. I had a policeman come up to me and I thought I'd done something wrong and he said you should have hit him. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. And then I, just outside here in Haymarket, I promise you it's absolutely true, a bus stopped. And the, um, the, the driver leans out the window and says, you should have hit him. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the title of the autobiography. <laughs> I should have hit him. Well, I think I shouldn't have hit him because I would have got sacked. But, you know. I don't think you would have got sacked. Well, you I wrote... Mean, I think you should have got sacked. What you did... You no, wrote to Maddox and said, give him the sack, actually. Who? You did. What did I do? You wrote to my bosses and said I should be sacked. Did I? Yeah. No! Yeah. <laughs> That is bad. Did I do that? Have you got the letter? You did, yeah. Have you got the letter? You wrote to... Have you uh, got the letter? Yeah, I have. Have you got the letter? The letter was not written to me, but, ah. uh, but had, ah. you, had, you, had you read my book, you would have seen it was quoted from. But what did it... I wrote a letter to your boss? Yeah, to the Murdoch people, and you said they should give oh, me the letter. the Murdoch people? Yeah, well, they ultimately... This guy's bought. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but is that true then? Did you was that in the fit of peak? I don't is that remember. The sort of thing I that don't you remember. Doing that. Strange, no. en strange enough, it doesn't appear in your diaries. This fact. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what makes me think it probably didn't happen. <laughs> I think this is fake news. I think somebody got a thing up and pretended to have my signature. Anyway, I've forgiven him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <coughs> I wouldn't. I don't think I'd have said sack him. I'd probably have said. I think. Come on, you believe in total politics, total war. <laughs> No, not total war. I believe in aggressive politics, yeah. <laughs> um, and, I, and, I, and I do think, I did think I really, I mean, I know Adam thinks he was right, but I, I felt at that time... Well, I was just factually right that the mass, <laughs> that, that the mass wasn't there. I never disputed the facts. Well, you did. The point was you were... You were you we, had, we got fewer votes. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that. Yeah. You were, you were losing the argument on the facts that there was no basis Gordon Brown could form a government. No, so you decided so. to wind me up because we'd known each other for so long and you knew exactly how to wind me uh, up. I which didn't was know it was that easy. I really <laughs> didn't. <laughs> I thought it would take at least three dignities. I mean, I, honestly, I did. Anyway. You say you believe in aggressive politics then. Is that part well, of Well, I your believe in nice politics as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean... The t <laughs> but you were saying about, about... I mean, at the moment, you know... I'm like you, I look at Labour and I just say, will you please oppose? Yes. Will you do stuff? Will you go for the government and really go for them? <coughs> so aggressive in terms of being passionate rather than being... Yeah, I don't mean going around, you know, 
trying to get people sacked. No, I, I'd be surprised if I tried to get him sacked. I may have complained. I may have complained. Uh, but I would have been very surprised. It was quite specific, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, look, it's happily, I failed. But, but these, these days on social media, people are trying to get me yeah, sacked exactly, every day. Exactly. So, um, I'll, t- I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll tell you the other thing about it. I mean, I, and I, I have said this myself, and I might even have said it in my diaries, on sale afterwards. Um, but For charity, he's not getting any yeah, money. Cha- but, but Adam, and, and I, I mean, this week's been really, in, it's been interesting for lots of reasons, but I've been, you know, doing the rounds some days. And that stuff that's coming into our politics now of, you know, like I was on, I was doing BBC the other day when they started ch- chanting these songs about Kay Burley. Yes. And these EDL people turn up, or Anna Subri getting, you know, abused as she was going the street. And I got a little bit of it coming off out the college green the other day. And there's something going on, and I do think Donald Trump is partly to blame for this, because I think, you know, if you've got the leader of the free world at press conferences and events basically saying, those Look at people, them, they're liars. Those people, yeah. you know, don't be surprised if your supporters then... So I'm not into that sort of aggression, no. but I really am into kind of, you know, having it out. But then I suppose if you've been on College Green trying to wind Adam up, and then the public are on College Green trying to wind Adam up, what's the difference? Well, first of all, we want to hear what he's got to say, whereas you don't necessarily want to hear someone... Uh, uh, saying, Burley, Burley, you're a slag. Bur- or Burley's is a liar. Is that what they were saying? Oh, yeah. Or Jesus. Faisal Islam, you're not, Faisal, British, you're not British. Things like, things like that. You don't want to hear that. But, but, but secondly, I mean, my or view... Or Gina Miller, gasser. Yeah. My God. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. oh, yeah. It's going on. And the problem is, if that goes out and you can hear it, then we're liable. But I think the big difference is, I don't <coughs> mind people coming in shouting and waving banners behind us. I do mind it if they're trying to shut down not so much what we're trying to say, but what we're trying to get out of the politicians, the people... And it is really hard doing it, you know, with... I mean, that guy Steve Bray with the banners. Yeah, I like him. I I love him. I love him. He's great, yeah. (laughs) He's great. Uh, But he does it... He does it incredibly nicely and what have you... And it sort of adds a bit to the thing. He's he's all right. You're doing the thing and then suddenly, you know... Stop breaking <laughs> And then the camera angle moves because I, I like all that. Yeah. It's right? completely ridiculous. We've been building higher and higher. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got this train place. He's got amazing triceps. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, up they go. But I think that's completely different to... And the thing is, I mean, I've been kind of in you know, political debate for a long time. And I can count on the fingers of one hand really unpleasant experiences with members of the public. And... Yeah, I sense that is going to become a norm in our politics if we're not <coughs> careful. Um, and, you know, I, I, and I mean, we've already, you know, we've already basically forgotten about Joe Cox in terms yeah. of that mood that there was when she died. You know, it's, I, I think, and I think the media are getting targeted. Um, and these guys who were down the other day, they were wearing Trump hats, Make America yeah. Great Again. They were doing fake news. Sky News is fake news. That yeah. was the other thing that was. Saying. We need a new mayor. I wonder why. Yeah, you know, that was one of the. But uh, you know, um, how uh, hard is it for you to broadcast in that environment? Oh well, sometimes you just literally can't hear what people are saying. You know, which is why the best question is always why. Because <laughs> 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 you say to someone, well, you know, are you going to vote against the government? And all you hear is, you know, Kay Burley is a slag or whatever. Uh, so trying to pick up the interview, you say why, and they have to explain themselves, and you might get, you get a second shot at it. I mean, what, presumably, there just has to be an agreement that College Green is now policed if the broadcasters are going to be out there, because otherwise it's just going to... You're well, then given a mainstream platform but to that, the But, you know, right. there's been a big change in society. I mean, it, it's the same... I was talking to John Bird, you know, the founder of uh, big the issue. Big Issue, who 
Slet Ruff himself, and, and he takes a very strong line on rough sleepers, and he says, when he was sleeping rough, you used to have to hide from the police because if the police saw you, they would move you on. Well, the views of society have changed, and you just have to walk 10 yards out of here, and you'll see three or four people uh, who are rough sleeping unmolested. Now, that may be the only place they've got to go, but it's a change in the attitude of, of the public. And similarly, if people think the mainstream media is the enemy, or enough people do, then they say, oh, well, fine, doesn't matter if the EDL are shouting them down and, and they're broadcasting. So, so, you know, it's not just asking the police to intervene, it's whether people think it's acceptable for the police to intervene, you know, because we are, you know, we like to think of ourselves as independent sort of scallywags who don't necessarily want to go around with the police protection. It's slightly different in, in America, where because of the Constitution, they do have, you know, constitutional protection for freedom of speech. We don't. I mean, even without protesters and placards on the far right, being out on a platform, on, it's freezing at this God, time. God, it's cold. I mean, so it, and the problem is you can't move. I mean, I was doing, I think I did 10 hours outside on the day of the, um, you know, the, the, the no confidence vote. Absolutely freezing. So, you, you know, you've got to have the whole gear. You've got to have rubber-soled shoes. You've got to have two <laughs> pairs of socks. You, you used Channel to 4 have got the best heaters, yeah. by the way. Yeah, by a mile. We're not allowed heaters because they said it would blur the circuits, and then, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and then you. you That's you, just murder being me. Yeah, we're, uh, we're used. You to probably wrote some suggesting yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Keep it fucking yeah. no heaters. <laughs> yeah, used to used to wear these things called long johns and vests. Yeah, right? but now they're called base layer. <laughs> it's, called, it's called a base layer, so you have to wear a base layer on your suit. And then the other real problem is if you're standing there all day. Everyone says, why don't you put on a coat? Well, if some MP comes out of the Commons for 20 minutes not wearing a coat, it looks rude to be wearing a coat, and you look a wimp, so <laughs> you, you, you have to take... So your macho. <laughs> it's all about the yeah, yeah, you have to take your coat off, but you're there for five hours, so you die of... Uh, John Snow, on. between yeah. when he's not on air, he wears the most ridiculous yeah. hat hats. And yeah. earmuffs and everything. Yeah. Like, you know, John. But honestly, it's. I mean, it my favourite moment of all time was at Maastricht Treaty. You may remember the Maastricht Treaty. Yeah, yeah. That was the last. And that was. Maastricht is like on the Dutch coast, right? And we were all there standing outside the hotel waiting for John Major to arrive. And John Simpson, the great John Simpson, <laughs> is going live. And he actually said, in the course of his nine o'clock news, he said, uh, and the Prime Minister's here and he's having a disagreement with his Chancellor of the Exchequer whose name I can't remember because I'm so cold. <laughs> <laughs> because when you're, when you're continue, particularly with 24-hour rolling news, you're basically on the whole time. Mm. So there's, I mean, there's various clips where you were talking about your porridge the other day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it must be so hard to know whether you're on or off air. Yeah, particularly if you're out there because you don't have the normal communications you'd have in a studio. That was, you know, that was... A, I want my fault. It's a bloody producer's fault. He said, do you, want me, do you want me to go and buy you a tasty? And I said, no, I've had some porridge. And then he helpfully said, you're on air. Remember when John Prescott? Was oh, GCHQ, that one. I can't remember. He was doing an, he was doing an interview and he, yeah. and, and, he, and he said something. And then he said, oh, shit, that was terrible. We'll do it again. And I said, this is live. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was, it was about union rights at GCHQ, yeah. and he couldn't right. say GCHQ. So he kept saying, at CCGQ, we will... <laughs> and he goes, oh, fuck that up, it's GCHQ. And he said, very sorry, you're live on TV. <laughs> oh, man, because Prescott, I mean, you talk about aggressive politics, he... 
He yeah. lived and breathed that, didn't he? I mean, yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's stri- maybe I'm wrong about this, but he strikes me that he's really trying to distance himself from the new Labour years now. He's gone with Corbyn. He's a Corbynite yeah. now. Do you still talk to him? Is he, is yeah. He sort of yeah, yeah. If I was in hold with him recently, he's uh, <coughs> I think he's... Ba- yeah, John's basic thing, I think, is, is kind of loyalty to Labour. Um, but not to new Labour. Well, and he, he, he certainly distanced himself from Tony in relation to the Iraq war. And, but it's really about, you know... And, and also, don't forget, his, his son's still involved. And so I think it's... Um, Can't get a seat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his son's still involved. Um, and may want to try and get a seat. And may think that Corbyn and the leadership will have some say in that. No, I, but I still love, I love John. And, and I think that... You know, that, that, I mean, I, I hate doing that thing. I'm 61 now, and I'm re- you've got to really resist sort of getting into that in my day. Wouldn't have happened in my day. More characters in my day. Mm. But honestly, I, went, I was in the House of Lords yesterday seeing somebody, and I went, I, I went in there, and there was Jack Cunningham and John Reed rubbing a cup wow. of tea. And I thought, oh, God, when I, I used to be able to phone up John Reed or Jack Cunningham when shit was flying and say, we've got nobody will do the 810 slot on today. Yeah. And John, but either of them, you could trust yeah. absolutely what's the issue, what's the line, and then they could both go on and they didn't sound like robots. Yeah. I mean, They'd be fed a line by me. They sounded like people who'd lived and breathed this stuff that I just told them about <laughs> in the car <laughs> on the way to the airway. No, 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 John, John Reid used to describe his role as, he said, you know the opening of Parliament when the lifeguards come along? And then the Queen leaves, the lifeguards leave, and then there's a man comes out with a cart to clean up afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that is how John, Ro- John Reid saw his, saw his role in, um, in Cabinet. But, but Prescott hates me. He won't speak to me. Why? Because... Because he fell out of me. No. <laughs> now, when he, do you remember when he punched that bloke? Yesterday, yeah. yeah. He was yeah. left out of me. Yeah. Left. Left, yeah, left, left hook, wasn't it? And, and, he, and I broke the story. We broke the story, right? because we had a reporter there, saw it happen, she phoned me up and said, Adam, I don't know what to do, Prescott's just punched the demonstrator. <laughs> uh, so I said, I said, okay, well, I'll report it. So I reported it, right? Next thing happens, Charlie Faulkner, their lawyer, phones me up and he says, you're in big trouble. And I say, why? And he said, you just said Prescott punched someone. I said, yeah, he did. Uh, that's what our reporter said. Uh, and what's more, we've got pictures on the way. He said, you didn't. You're making it up. <laughs> This is the end of your career. He's another one. He's not learning about the dignity, is he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, in the book, in, in the book, so this is how they, they work. See, in the book, in Alistair's diaries, he says Prescott phones him up. It's true. And says, Alistair, what shall I do? I've just punched a bloke. <laughs> At the same time, as, cons- as Labour HQ are denying to me that he's punched a bloke, <laughs> he's, ri- he's ringing up me and says he has punched a bloke. Anyway, that just was a very odd thing to do with the camera. I mean, I, mm. and just just for reporting it, um, he barely spoke to me since. I did actually when the fire brigade strike, I was sent along to interview him, and I went <laughs> and I walked in. And he said, "Oh, it's you," and he disappeared into his room next door with his man. And then literally, it was like the uh, you know a play. They were sort of shouting. <laughs> And I, I sat there for about 20 minutes, and then he sort of agreed to give me one answer. And that, that is, but you know the thing is, that the, so that, like that election, so that was 2001. Yeah. So if you think 2010, there, weren't, there, was, there, was, there was me and him falling out, there was the bigot thing and what have you. But that 2001 election, 
I think the John Prescott punch is about the only thing that anybody remembers. Yes. Outside. Well, it all happened on the same day, didn't it? The woman attacking Sharon Storer. Yeah. Sharon Storer. Sharon Storer. Jack Straw. Jack Straw getting the bird claps, from so the, uh, the police. police federation. But the, 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 that was one of the. And, and also, Adam was saying earlier about how the world has changed, right? So now. So you were. Yeah. No, but we would know. Yeah, yeah. We would know straight away what had happened because we'd, be, we'd see it instantly. But what was what was really funny about that one? Funny. We'd had the Sharon Straw thing, which was a nightmare. Then the Jack Straw thing, and then Tony that night was doing question time with David Dimbleby, and it was in a leisure centre in Watford, and to yeah, <laughs> Tony, <laughs> and Tony it tends was to be, yeah. absolutely kind of psyched because question time, you know, the one-on-one -on -one question time. Yes, the leader special on the day you've launched your manifesto. It's quite. A that was the one where he said, um, "I didn't know people had to wait to get doctors' appointments." <laughs> Did he? Yeah. Well, it didn't get any coverage at all because <laughs> just as he was about just to walk well. in, <laughs> I got this phone call from JP, and he and he literally did say those words: "I've, I've just thumped a block." <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and it was like, honestly, it was surreal. It was utterly surreal. But the funny thing was, I had to decide there and then: do I tell Tony? Because this, I don't know if people know, pre question time is pre-recorded by a few hours. Yeah. So it's like, and I'm thinking, Dimbleby you know, gets an ear thing in his ear, John Prescott's just thumped somebody, ask him what he thinks, right? But I knew that if I told Tony that had happened, it would have completely discombobulated him. But here's the thing about, I remember that night, because you, you yeah. started, it was in the days when Sky were doing that green button, red button thing, yes. you know, and you did one, should Prescott resign? Yeah. And of course, green was whoosh, you know, of course you should. You can't have the deputy prime minister going around thumping people. <laughs> so, <coughs> when when we got in the after Tony did question time, which I'll be honest, I didn't even say see because yeah. I'm I'm talking and, and actually you mentioned Charlie Fortner. I phoned him and I said, Charlie, what's going on? He said, Well, mm, and Charlie was watching it on the news by now. Yeah. And he was saying, I said, How bad is it? He says, Well, I'm watching it now. He says, he's walking down. The guy, oh. <laughs> 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 yeah. Really bad. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> oh, they're on the ground now. It's all this Joan Hamill helping you up. And, oh, they were. So, and so anyway, Tony comes out of question time, and he and he, he gets in the car and he says, "That was alright." I said, "Yeah, fine. Yeah, really good." Really good. I said, I've "Got a bit of a problem though, Tony." He says, "What?" He says, "Well, JP stumped somebody down in Wales." What? <laughs> anyway, so I describe it based on what Charlie's described to me and based on, you know, what everybody's saying. And he says, are we going to have to sack him? At which point, Trevor, no, sorry, it was uh, Terry, the driver, and I uh, can't remember who the copper was, sitting in the front. They both simultaneously turned around and went, you what? <laughs> and it was one of those moments where you thought, Stay in the mindset of real people, yeah. not media bubble. And 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 the next day, do you remember, it, it, we yeah. we, so we spent hours the thinking, how's he going to deal with the question? He said, blah, blah, blah. John and is he John. Said, John's John. Yeah. <laughs> John's John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you see, Theresa should do that. She go, Andrea's Andrea. <laughs> Brexit is Brexit. Amber means Amber. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Alison says we shouldn't be nostalgic, but actually it was better in your day. You can all tweet that. Adam Bolton yeah. says. Because for a very simple reason, I mean, you talk about, uh, you know, Tony Blair. 
going on question time and doing a news conference the next morning. He did a news conference every morning, yeah. so he was accounting what they do. I mean, going on question time and, and doing one news conference is more than Mrs May has done in the last two election campaigns. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, <coughs> and, she, and she is not the only one. So, you know, everyone says, oh, well, it, it's all the media scrutiny and sound bites and mean people don't respect politicians. It's actually because most politicians don't want to make their arguments anymore. Mm. And in, in, in Alistair's day, uh, you know, Blair did. And in fact, arguing was really what New Labour was about because it was a kind of guerrilla movement inside the Labour Party. And they just went after everybody explaining what they were trying to do. Yeah. It was, uh, I remember that press conference. I remember watching it on telly. I was volunteering for a Labour MP in the East Midlands at the time. And he doesn't just say Johnny's John. He says, look, you know, John has many great strengths. Um, <laughs> uh, not least of all in his left arm. So <laughs> I was like, I can't believe they're bantering about it. it was, and I was, I was doing my A-levels at the time, and I was like the only person bothered about politics. But that got everyone on side. Yeah. Loads of kids in Nottingham going, I fucking like him, man. He smacked him, innit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Vote Labour, we fucking hit people. <laughs> it's great. People loved it. So, I mean, in terms of what it was like to be a broadcast journalist during the new Labour period, you say it was better than now because you got access and there was more of an argument and things. But it was the reputation of that time. You know, the, the, the main attack line of the new Labour era was spin, particularly the first term. Yeah, but you see, I mean, there's spin and spin. And, and I mean, Alistair was, used to be a great briefer because he would tell us genuinely what Tony Blair was thinking actually before Tony Blair had thought it. So honestly, you, you, you'd be in these briefings and some news story would just come up and someone would say, Alistair, what about this? And he'd give you a line. And then literally two days later, it would be in a Tony Blair speech. And you, you'd come up with it spontaneously. And that was the problem because people began to realise this. And there was a famous moment when we were flying somewhere on the plane. Uh, and, you know, they come down to uh, our, our section to talk to us. And Blair was... The small seats. Bla <laughs> well, the, the middle-sized seats. You, they get first class. We used to get uh, business class. Anyway, but we're, 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 up, we're upstairs in, the, in this jumbo jet. And Blair comes up first. And he's talking to about six journalists. You know, and they're asking questions. And, all that. and then Alistair comes up and they all peel off to... Get, to <laughs> this is absolutely true. <laughs> Do you remember that? Is that is that how it was? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think <laughs> oh, that sounds like a yes. No, I think there might that, there might have been something specific. I think the thing was though that I felt <laughs> I felt that part of my job. I wasn't saying I might be able to preempt what Tony would think about something because I kind of knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I would. I but like a good writer would know. Then no, but I also I, I remember when I stopped working for Tony who I saw yesterday and today. Um, <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I stopped working for Tony, I remember Jamie Rubin, who did the same job for Madeleine Albright, yeah. he said to me, the hardest thing you're going to find is working out what you really think again. And it's, and, and it's true that, because I would instinctively think as Tony Blair. <laughs> I would. I would. I would like, if something yeah. happened, I mean, football different, but if it was like, you know, like today, Putin says what he says about, you know, Brexit means yeah. Brexit. Do you see that? Putin says Brexit has to be delivered. Yeah. It's the will of the Kremlin. <laughs> and, <coughs> so, you know, I would know instantly, and I still do now, what Tony would think about that, what he's likely to say about that. So that's what I was doing. Yeah. And I remember the one you... Uh, because the, the thing about the way the media worked, 
was starting to work then and definitely works now with social media and what have you, the danger, if I didn't say something, like I'll get yeah. back to you, yeah. was that they're out there, yeah. you know, number 10's in turmoil. Tony Blair doesn't, because they didn't s describe me as Alistair Campbell, they described me as, you know, number, number 10, 10 yeah. Tony yeah. Blair. So I had to be him. But then it got difficult because he was so good at it that his kind of off-the-cuff remarks were then attributed to Tony. So like when he... Bogstander Comprehensive. It was classic. Yeah. I, I was in that briefing and I knew what he meant and in the context it was perfectly good. But it's a great headline. Tony, <laughs> Tony Blair thinks comprehensives are bog-standard. Yeah. So that's why you had to go into hiding, effectively. I did, yeah. yeah. But you know, that was a really, really interesting one. Which and, and to be honest, that was where I was beginning to realise my days were kind of numbered and it wasn't because of you know it's because what the reason that was in my head we were doing the school's white paper was because tony had said that at a meeting public meeting yeah two weeks earlier you know mm. that we've got to bring in reform so that the days of the bog standard comprehensive are over it was a kind of pro comprehensive school yes. they've all got to be good and when he said it nobody batted an eyelid and then I said at this briefing, and literally, it was leading the news, and I thought, this is getting ridiculous. They, so I did. We went to yeah. Cornwall the next day, yeah. and I had to hide, <laughs> literally, because I knew Tony was doing something with farmers or something. I knew that if I appeared... <laughs> if I appeared... Work-related. No. <laughs> no, you know, he's... <laughs> no, he was doing stuff with farmers. But they don't... <laughs> stuff he does. They don't do any of that today, you see. What you have is you have an official spokesman who's a civil servant yeah. who knows nothing, mm. right? So that we have these sort of rituals of twice a day, people, I mean, I don't, very few people bother going now, uh, but I mean, you troop in and you ask them a question like, you know, is the Brexit vote gonna be next week? Um, the Brexit vote is on course. <laughs> uh, is there any chance it's going to be pulled? Our policy is to bring this, and, and it's, I feel sorry for the guy because they, you know, they don't, they're not, close to the leader and the whole point about putting him out there is is what they call deniability in the trade yeah. and, and and both sides do it i mean but i also, I also think that i don't think anybody's i don't mean this in a personal way i don't think anybody gets close to Theresa may in in that way yeah. i think she's maybe nick timothy and fiona hill did a bit but well I they, they they she they took over they kind of um, yeah you but, know, I don't, in, but i don't think her mind with her own thoughts i mean i i, I know some of the civil servants now um, who are working there now, and you know, including people who worked on the whole sort of Brexit thing. And I mean, they, you don't get any sense that they feel they're part of a of a team. No, they really are civil servants. Now, I did bring um, a, a special drinks thing because uh, last night Jess Phillips and Sarah Wollaston, their favourite drink was Bailey's, <coughs> so we had a bottle of Bailey's. And yeah. um, Adam, your favourite drink is a gin martini. So I've got one pre-mixed. Oh, brilliant! Here. So I'm going to make Jim Martinez. Water for you, Alistair. Of course, Britpop was happening at the same time in the rise of New Labour. One of the most amazing meetings of two of the most amazing people in history when Noel Gallagher met Tony Blair. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, mean, uh, I mean, if Stuart Pearce would have been there, <laughs> I, think, I think I'd have wanked myself to death. Oh. Um, <laughs> what was it like seeing the meeting of these two am amazing individuals? Well, it was... I mean, you never know when something happens whether it's going to become one of those moments that like, yeah. thousands and millions of pictures get taken. That picture does get used again and again and again. And I think if you look carefully, you can see me in the background going, oh, God, is this right? <laughs> um, <coughs> but, and I thought it was really interesting about that because you know the Call Britannia thing? 
It was a headline in Newsweek. Mm. And now people think it was like some great strategy that we had. Do you know what the fuck you're doing? Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't drink, but this gin martini stuff. Adam, is, this, is he doing okay here? For an English person. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but what the, the second? <laughs> <laughs> you don't shake it, you stir it. Yeah. But the, the setup for that was a guy called Alan McGee, who was our oh, Creation Records. Yeah. yeah. So Scott's he fun. was the link to the to the Gallagher's. Yeah. And he was the one who phoned me on the day. So we actually invited the whole band, and uh, Alan phoned me up and he said, um, "I don't think you should ask Liam." <laughs> uh, <laughs> he said, I think that could get a wee bit out of control. <laughs> uh, so we didn't invite Liam. So uh, he was, Liam was not invited? He wasn't. He, he basically, Alan Wiggy said, you know, Noel will be able to cope with it, it'll be fine, but don't get the whole band there. And actually, <laughs> and, and Noel was... Um, but I think it's one of those things that, you know, it's a bit like I was oh, saying cheers, yesterday man. about the... You know, the <laughs> it's more fucking water. What's the other for? Cheers. Merry Christmas. Cheers. Merry Christmas. Cheers. Cheers. So, yeah. But it, listen, I, I, let's I, be honest, it was a bit cooler than it is now, wasn't it? It yeah. was amazing because there's a great documentary, I don't know if you've seen it, called, and it starts with a quote from you called Live Forever. Right. And it's about the rise of Britpop. But the Did I say that? No, the thing you say is there's a new mood on the streets, uh, the thing has changed, all we need now is a new government. Or some, I, think mm. I say something like that, it's word for word there. Uh, um, <laughs> and uh, I've watched it so many times, it's such a great film. And then it goes straight into Rock and Roll Star and it's Albarn. Um, Cocker, the Gallaghers, but there's a bit where they talk about the, the party, they've got the two Gallagher brothers separately as talking heads, and Liam Gallagher, his, his version of events is, I don't want to go anyway, you know what I mean? Because I don't want to drink tea all night, and it looks like a shit house anyway. <laughs> that was his version. Yeah, and Noel? Noel said, I defy anyone, right, when you're off your tits on acid dressed as a Belgian monk, and that little invite comes through the letterbox, <laughs> saying, Prime Minister wants to have, have a cup of tea. Mm -hmm. I go, I'll fucking see the Prime Minister have a cup of tea. <laughs> and then he says... <laughs> and then, there's a great bit, the bit I want you to verify is, you know, he said, I remember talking to Tony, right? And I said to him, I said, on these election nights, right, what do you take to keep yourself up all night? And he <laughs> said, and Tony Blair said to me, not the same shit you do, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought you were a fucking geezer. Hey. Yeah. Is that right? Was that, was that discussed? Recreational drugs? No, I don't remember that. He, he went, I do remember going, he went upstairs to see the kids. Noel did? Um, yeah. Oh, is that what he calls it? Just going upstairs to see the kids. Fucking <laughs> 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 very chatty when he came back. I must say, we, there, were, there were half a dozen people at that do that we were permanently marking. <laughs> Uh, it's like when the, when the Sinn Féin lot came in for the first time. They never went to the loo alone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, Noel, Noel did not go alone. But did I mean, it was a great idea because uh, what they were doing was they were taking a, copying Harold Wilson. You remember he had those yes. famous parties with the Beatles and there were two parties. And the idea was you got a pop group and a trade unionists and politician and journalist, you mix them all up. I, I went to a second party, which I think was M people with the, the pop, uh, <laughs> uh, pop group. Not, 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 not quite, quite so cool. the same. Song. Not quite so cool, but, um, it, and the funny thing was no one knew who anyone was. Because uh, uh. politicians are so up themselves, they have no idea 
who is distinguished in any other field. So they, 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 they were just standing around saying, who is that person? And, 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 it, it, um, and, and then it had to stop because uh, people got jealous that they had only been invited to the M People Party rather than the, uh, <laughs> the Oasis Party. Or well, the, other, the other person who was there that night was Kevin Spacey. That's right. Yeah. See? You wouldn't have said that back then, would you? You said, oh! Yeah, but we didn't know that back then. No, I know. <laughs> if we'd have known that back then, we would have said that. He shouted at me. I, actually, I outed him by mistake. Uh, uh, Kevin Spacey? Yeah. Oh, God. Because it was during... You, do you remember the... <laughs> Do you, do you did Kevin write to Murdoch? So yeah. get rid of that. No, <laughs> no, no, he didn't actually. Actually, he was very nice about it. But I mean, um, uh, you remember when Bill Clinton went to the um, Labour Party conference? Yes. McDonald's. And all oh that. yeah, we, well, it, as his sidesman, he took Kevin Spacey, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, and, and it also, for some reason, it was tropical weather in Blackpool. It's never happened before or yeah. since. <laughs> so, so I was stuck doing a two-way with a, with a presenter on. <laughs> So like Kevin Spacey. Yeah, and it, <laughs> and, it, and, and, it, and it was an, it was hot, and something went wrong. So this two-way went on for about ten minutes. Uh, and this female presenter, long, said, a female presenter, says to me, uh, "So what are they doing tonight?" And I said, "Well, they're having a um, a thousand pounds a plate uh, fundraiser for the Labour Party." She said, "Oh, are you going?" And I said, no, I'm a journalist. We don't give money to the Labour Party. How, how many invited? Not going. She said, well, I'd pay £1,000 to sit next to Kevin Spacey. <laughs> At which point I said, I think you're out of luck. He's gay. Which I hadn't realised he, you know, he was in rather than out or whatever. And, and, um, uh, <laughs> 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 well, exactly. So... So, and all of, all, of, all of Fleet Street want to do Kevin Spacey's gay stories, and now, thanks to Adam Bolton of Sky News, they can do them, because they can report my saying it. Oh, my God. I mean, I suppose that must be so hard, particularly in, as we talked about earlier, 24 hours, when you're talking all the time, you're not having those breaks where you can just sort of reset, and what you have heard as gossip, what you've heard from people that you're about to interview. It must yeah. be very hard to stay disciplined. Well, it was a really <laughs> difficult period. I mean, now most people who are gay are out and, you know, good luck to them. But back then, you forget... Back then... No, back then you'd forget who, uh, who was in and who was out. Yeah. But just know, so it got very complicated. <laughs> I've got to say, <coughs> that this has be. actually turned into... Christmas Day. Fucking hell. One drink. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, though, that night was one of the most. Because Clinton, who what, I love Bill Clinton, I think he's great. Yeah. And uh, and and he, he and Kevin Spacey did this. They did this thing at this little fundraiser. And Clinton does have this sort of junk fo food thing. He loves junk food. He what presidents do, don't they? He just eats crap food and he drinks Diet Coke all day long. Not anymore, he's a vegan now. Oh, that's true. He's, he's shifted, yeah, because yeah. he had his health scare. But anyway, so he suddenly says, I want to go to McDonald's. Right. Mm. And so me and Fiona and Kevin Spacey <laughs> thought he can't... He's got his coppers and everything, but we thought, well, he can't just wander out on his own. So we went off with him. And we got to McDonald's, and it was honestly, utterly surreal. Walking in, I mean, obviously they were very excited to see me. 
they were they were quite excited to see Kevin Spacey. And then Bill Clinton walks in, and like these, these people go, oh my God, it's Bill Clinton. And I promise you, within 10 minutes, Clinton was actually on the phone to Hillary. He, we sat down, he'd, he's got this guy, he had this guy called Doug Band, you may have yeah. met Doug Band, who was like his bag man. And he went up and he ordered the biggest order of everything <laughs> you have ever seen. It filled the whole sort of table. Great. He's on the phone to Hillary, and I promise you, within about 10 minutes, word had got round, right? And there were about 50 classic cartoon Blackpool landladies <laughs> had come out and they were just standing looking at through the window at, at Bill Clinton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but people must have thought, I remember, I remember it being on the news at the time and someone said they thought it was a look-alike. They couldn't believe that, of all the, like it's not like it's, even in London it would be mad. But for Kevin Spacey and Bill Clinton to just go to Mackey's in And also, Black it was raining. It was, it yeah. was, it was pissing yeah. it with rain. Yeah, it was a we, tropical storm. We had by to then, walk yeah. for miles to find yeah. this McDonald's. And we were going past, and we said, What about KFC? No, I don't want KFC. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Pizza Hut. No, I don't want Pizza Hut. And we went round. The other thing, we went round. There's that thing. That thing is called the biggest, the biggest emporium in the world. I mean, it's obviously not, but it's called the biggest emporium. <laughs> and, and it was like Clinton said, Can we go in there? What's that? There's two P machines <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. And he really wanted to go. We were saying, <laughs> you know, make your money. Do you want to go to the biggest employer in the world or go to McDonald's? And the coppers were like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was surreal. Yeah, he went to McDonald's. And what did, what did he have? Do you know? And what he had did everything. You? And what did you have? I hate McDonald's. I can't eat that shit. Come on, sorry. Mate. I can't eat it. I'm sorry. I can't eat that stuff. I'm an athlete. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Michael Phelps. I had a few, I had a few chips. Yeah, because you say Bolt used to eat chicken nuggets. Yeah, he does, but he's a proper athlete. <laughs> <laughs> he, he could do what he wants. No, he had, he had nuggets and he had, a, he had a Big Mac. He didn't finish the Big Mac, remember that. Really? No, he didn't finish the Big Mac. That's he shocking. had nuggets as well. Yeah, and if, lots if of If people would have known, I think that might have turned things against him. No, I sold it later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because was it true that in Birmingham, when it was the G8 or something, he'd, yeah. he'd gone to a pub yeah. and he'd had to smash the glass that he'd used because it had his fingerprints on it? No. The Secret Service has broken because they didn't want people getting Bill Clinton's fingerprints. Well, you can get a Bill Clinton's. How many hands do you think he's shaken in his life? Right. I know the parts. That was Prince Harry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a bit of a myth. I tell you what, the, the effect of Clinton, though, that summit in G8 at the Birmingham, I can remember uh, they, w they came over, they were st staying in a different hotel, and they came over to say goodbye to Tony and Cherie. And there was a woman there, she worked in the hotel, and she was, you know, she was. Afro-Caribbean, quite elderly, and she couldn't believe, she was really excited that she was staying in the same hotel, she was working in the same hotel that Tony was at, but she couldn't believe Clinton was coming over. And she was telling me, I love Bill, I so love Bill Clinton. So I said, and I had a really good relationship with Clinton and his people, and, and he loved, Clint, Bill Clinton, Matt Clinton, he loves people, he really does love people. And so I said to, um, I said, just hang around with us, just hang around, mm -hmm. right? Just sort of hang back, don't sort of, you just wait. So they arrived, and as we go into the lift, I said, oh, Mr. President, come say hello to this woman. Yeah. And he went over, and honestly, it was like she almost fainted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, 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 just, he just had this kind of, you know, he was so nice, he talked, he said, how many kids he, have you he, got? He, he is got? the best retail politician I've seen. I mean, I, 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 you know. You see how he immediately brings down <laughs> sort of cynical yeah. no, retail no, no. politician. No, but honestly, I, you know, I, I, I mean, I've seen that, you know, Blair was pretty good, but when you saw Blair with Clinton, you could tell who was the apprentice. But you could you could really say they're good when 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 Clinton was with uh, <coughs> John Major, yeah. And John Major, 
was a bit worried because he'd been helping George Bush with dirty tricks um, against uh, the Tories had during the election. But anyway, Clinton won, so John Major goes over there and sort of babbling, he sort of says, oh, uh, you know, I had a relative who emigrated to Pennsylvania. And, you know, as you know, John, Ma John Major doesn't really know who his relatives are, but I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, but, he ha but he had the, he, he had the, he had this great uncle. So the next time Just we mix another one up. Yeah. So the next we go back to the gate. So the next time we go over there, um, suddenly Clinton says, "Oh, yeah, it's very nice to see you, Mr. Major. Um, remember your relatives in Pennsylvania?" And John Major, "Oh, yeah, yeah." <laughs> uh, says, so, uh, we're going on a campaign swing to Pittsburgh, right? So we fly to Pittsburgh because it's the midterm elections, and they do a walk around round the Emporium as they do. And um, they're buying, uh, there's a your place selling those sports shirts, right? Yeah. And Clinton does exactly the right thing, walks in with his own money and buys three shirts for the Pitt Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Mm -hmm. Give them these bang, all very successful. John Major walks in, <laughs> buys a shirt for the Hollywood Ducks. <laughs> 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 And has to borrow the money off, it, <laughs> off the British ambassador because he's not carrying dollars. Oh so, so, so that was the kind of the contrast. Because American presidents, you, you uh, were the first British to do a joint interview with George W. Bush and his wife, Laura. Mm. And obviously, W. came to really be completely linked to the, to the Blair legacy. Adam, you first. People always said that she was far more intelligent when you met him uh, and far more charming. What was your impression of him when you interviewed him? Well, I never saw him... At a meeting, including with uh, Tony Blair, he always got what he wanted. I mean, he may not have been very articulate, but he knew exactly what he wanted. I mean, for example, the famous, um, you know, um, meeting out in Crawford, you've got to dip your hands in blood, when Tony Blair said that he would uh, uh, support him uh, in Iraq in whatever it was, uh, 2003. Uh, Tony Blair's standing there in front of... Uh, Stars and Stripes and, uh, you know, hay bales in, 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 in <laughs> <laughs> hay bales in Crawford. It's very, it's very good, this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and um, Bush suddenly says, and yeah, and by the way, we're going to go and screw Yasser Arafat. We're not having anything more to do with Yasser <coughs> Arafat. And Tony Blair just had no alternative but to agree, because he's standing there in front of the flag, just showing blah, blah. I mean, he was brilliant <coughs> in that way. Is that I right? Did, did Blair get bounced over Arafat, uh, so to speak? No. I'll tell you what I... I mean, I get... I, some of my sort of Labour friends sort of can't understand what I said. I really like George Bush as a bloke, as a human yeah. being. He was like... And he, was, he, he wasn't the most articulate, and he did kind of mangle his own words the whole time. He was a bit like Prescott. He was sort of Prescottian in his yeah. use of the English language. And he was also... <laughs> Unlike, <coughs> unlike, unlike most, most politicians in the modern age, actually Theresa May might be in the same ca category, that they, they, they become less impressive. They become more impressive when the cameras are on because they see that as part of their... Yeah. Bush was much less... Something happened when the media was there. He went very defensive. He went very kind of in on himself. But he, I'll tell you the one thing I always noticed about Bush going around the White House was like, he kind of knew everybody, and he and he wanted to sort of talk with them. And I think you saw that at his dad's funeral. You know, when he, he he's a very kind of emotional guy, um, and it also somebody he had, he had a low attention span. I think 
Uh, he was one of the few people you used to see literally kind of just get up in meetings and kind of say, right, that's it, and board him off. Um, Even in meetings with Blair? Yeah, he'd kind of get up and walk <laughs> around and... Uh, this is before Trump, of course. He well, yeah, yeah. Trump, Trump does take it to a... I mean, George Bush today looks like kind of, you know, Abraham Lincoln and Mandela <laughs> <laughs> combined compared to Trump. But, yeah, he, he, he but was... But how would Tony react to that? Would he say, George, I, I'm speaking for God's sake. No, because he'd do it in a nice way. And I remember once there was a meeting... There was a meeting at... There was a meet, uh, here's the thing, there was a meeting at Hillsborough Castle. Because obviously Clinton was really into the, Ireland, the Northern Ireland oh, yeah. stuff. Um, brackets at risk causing Brexit yeah. um, and, and we haven't really done Brexit have we can we do Brexit please we will do yeah, yeah okay thank you we have to uh, yeah <laughs> oh, right I don't vote I can't see a thing no no no, no that's do Brexit. yeah Merry Brexmas yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> 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 so he's, we're sitting in this meeting at Hillsborough yeah. and um, Bush gets up for one of these walk walkabouts yeah. in the room he doesn't leave the room Right, he goes out, and there's a copy of the Times there. And I was about to do the marathon, and I was doing a column for the oh Times right. about doing the marathon. And he starts flicking through the paper, right, and I'll, I've got this piece in there, and he, he's, he sends it, he reads the whole thing, and it gets to the end, and it says... It's impressive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was following the words like this. And he, get, he gets to the bottom, he says, Alistair Campbell is running the London Marathon for leukaemia research. And then Tony and Colin Powell and whoever, Jack Straw, and whoever else, they're still talking about whatever they're talking about. And he suddenly goes... Why are you doing leukaemia? And then he says, do you know my sister died of leukaemia? And I said, I didn't know that, no. Anyway, he then says, um, and Tony, by the way, at this stage, has not sponsored me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Bush says, I should sponsor you, shouldn't I? I said, that'd be great if you did. And so he goes out, he opens the door, he shouts, Brett, I think he's called Brett, who's like his bag man. He says, get my checkbook. I discovered later nobody in his team knew that he had a checkbook <laughs> and they didn't know where it was <laughs> and they had everybody trying to find George Bush's checkbook and eventually they found it and he came out and he wrote a check out right that's clever so I went out and I went Tony see that <laughs> <laughs> I've not, I've, I've actually they're the two checks I didn't cash there you go, I've oh, I sponsored them. you you did, you did. Very. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I'll tell you something. You actually gave me more than Tony Blair did. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In so many ways. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> never mind how much. Never mind how much. How much? When is the right time for me to auction two checks? Some other president. Tony and Bush, same day checks. That's a, you know. Some they're, they're at home. But what do you, as a presentation case, you know, as a fan, do I want that in with like? The Hutton Report, what is like the kind of... <laughs> but seriously, but, and I mean that, that's not, even meant, that's not even meant as a gag. Yeah, yeah. I sort of want Hut, Hutton, Butler and Chilcott as a kind of three-piece <laughs> yeah. thing. Like right. the ultimate the collection. Good, yeah, the Good Friday Agreement. Good Friday would Agreement. You have that? Minimum Wage Act. Would you, yeah. a, would you have the Scotland Act? Absolutely. So actually, maybe you can, you can sort of you can break yeah. these down. Well, you, know, you know Cherie did auction a signed copy of the Hutton Report. Did she? Yeah, I was there. It was, yeah. Didn't go down very well. No, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, to be fair, I was there, yeah. I'd have, I mean, the only um, base on which I'm living was that I wasn't there to <laughs> bid on it. I well, I'll tell you, it was Trevor Beattie paid, I think, 12 grand. <sighs> and, but the money went to a good cause. The Labour Party. <laughs> no, actually, Hang on, which actually, No, it wasn't. It wasn't the Labour Party. It was, it, was, it, was, it was my, I think it was my leukaemia thing, I think. Mm. Okay. 
I mean, it does depend at what point you donate it to the Labour Party as to whether or not it's a good cause or not. As well. <laughs> it was sort of pre-2010, then it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Incrementally worse with each year that's passed, I'm sure you yeah. um, I'm kidding. But you would, if you're going to auction them off, mm. yeah, you want to set it in like a... You want a picture of them both, don't you? Yeah. You've got to think about what you're buying as a fan. You know, it's like when you buy a signed shirt. Is it a shirt that they wore? Yeah. You've know, got to think about the image. Is it Stephen Gerrard lifting the European Cup with the thing? You've got to think about... Yeah. You know. I don't want Stephen Gerrard lifting the... I don't want that. Yeah, I mean, not with a Blair check, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. <laughs> One thing we should mention, actually, in terms of the dynamic between the two of you, isn't just the clip that we saw. It's not just broadcaster and political spokesman and the tension that goes with that. Um, there is a personal element to the relationship, which a lot of people don't know about, which is that, Adam, your wife, Angie Hunter... Loves works me. Loves <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> what a story that would be. Um, <laughs> I mean, was as close to Tony Blair as Alistair was and was absolutely part oh. of that new Labour gatekeeping um, Tony Blair operation. How weird is it having sort of married in to new Labour and then, you know, still having to be... You're uh, like my spin, like doc- like spin doctor-in-law, aren't you? Yeah, well, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, Angie always says that uh, Alistair's a sexist, and when he says, you know, there was me and Tony and Clinton, she was actually in the room, but it just never gets mentioned in your diaries. (laughs) 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 Fancy a Jim Martini, mate. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, um... uh, I I, I mean, the, 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 the... you know, she's been out of it for a long time. She, she, uh, I mean, she still sees Tony, and and they were all. At, uh, they have an annual um, TB ninety four. We call it Chris, TB ninety four of all the people. Oh, nice. uh, who who last were night, with it was last night. Uh, the last night, uh, Angie got God, home. Got a lot of water. Uh, <laughs> Angie got home at two in the morning. At least that's what she says. I was asleep <laughs> at the time. But 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 um, you know, that's the thing about uh, about politics. You meet people. And, you know, in, in case of um, your wife, more than meet them. But from all sides. But hopefully you can, you know... You, 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 can, you, can, you can put it to one side. And basically, Angie, Angie and I... Angie and I have a, have a very... You don't believe, you don't believe me. Angie and I have a very simple rule, which is that... I really don't interfere in her relationship at all with uh, her Labour cronies and, and all that. <laughs> I, I just get called on to accompany her to, sadly these days, more funerals than weddings. But, uh, uh, but she just sells me out every time. <laughs> I mean, when I was working with Tony, I'd come home and she'd say, yeah, what was going on today? And I would say, they really screwed up on this. And she's like, it's completely ridiculous. You know, Tony knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, and, and then two days later, she'd say, you know this thing that uh, Labour's got a bit of a problem? What do you think you should do? I thought last night, though, because team is so important in politics. 
and you know you see that when you s when you see the shambles of the of the government, they were a good team. Yeah. And the thing is that all right. So if you look at like, we had a thing when Tony left, just before he stopped being prime minister, Dan Checkers, and it was all the original team from 1994. They had me and Peter there. We've had fallouts, but we're still close. Uh, you're still you running the uh, People's Vote campaign. Yeah, you'd, yeah. Had, you'd, had <laughs> <coughs> you'd had you'd had um, you'd had people who were, you know, who'd moved on to do other stuff. But actually, even last night was a good example of it. I mean, real team, yeah. real sense of team. And, you know, I don't think you can function at the highest level in politics without that. I mean, that's a, the problem, though, is that successively, because the New Labour was such a thing, you know, George Osborne and David Cameron used to talk about Tony as the master and all yeah. that. Successively, they've tried to copy this idea yeah. of having a close team to advise them. But the truth is that Blair was lucky. He just had a very talented team around him. I've got to say that. She's my wife. But, I mean, nonetheless... <laughs> Sorry, when did we get married? Even, even, even before she was my wife, she was very talented, and Alistair was very talented. And people try and copied it since, and they just ended up with these complete dunderheads. <laughs> uh, uh, and, 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 and they don't actually understand the thing that, that Alistair and, and Peter and co. used to do. Their inspiration is the thick of it. Yeah. So, th so th th they think it's about <coughs> going around and swearing at people and telling them, you know, that they're in omni shambles and it's a fun. And, yeah. and actually, it was a lot more subtle than that yeah. back in the day. <laughs> I mean, what's odd is they're influenced by the thick of it, but you influence the thick of it. I mean, how do you feel about when you see Malcolm Tucker? <laughs> but I know that well, I sort of know how you feel because I remember watching a thing where you watched in the loop and you weren't keen on it. There must be part of you, though, even though it's a distortion that thinks it's really cool to have a oh. really a great sitcom character basically created in your image. Yeah, Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the reason, funny enough, the reason I didn't like the in, the in the Loop because I didn't think it worked as a film, but I love Malcolm Tucker. Yeah. And, I mean, I remember my, my daughter, who's 24 now, and, but I remember when she came back from school one day when the thick of it was really kind of, you know, at its peak. And she, she was, you know, she was quite young, and she said, "Dad, is Malcolm Tucker based on you?" She said, "Please say it is." <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it's like so. No, and I think that I think it is great satire. Yeah. I think it's brilliant satire. I'm amazed, by the way, there isn't more satire at the moment. But it's, I, mean I, think we, I think we're uh, losing uh, confidence in let's talk about being able to speak truth to power. But let's talk about Brexit, and, and, and we were always going to. But in terms of the BBC, don't all sides have to be careful that they don't denigrate? really the only truly independent and trusted news source in the country. <laughs> but seriously. Adam, Adam, uh, dignity, uh, dignity, <laughs> dignity. He's tried to set you up, don't rise. Um, <coughs> um, well, <laughs> we, 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 what I will, no, what I would say is we, we are more on the same side than we're not on the same yes. side. But, your institutional position does have an effect, yeah? And I would say of the BBC, when people say, well, what's the difference between the BBC and Sky? I would say uh, the BBC is public sector and is basically suspicious of business and profit. Sky, you know, we depend on Sky making a profit. So uh, we are more critical of the public sector and, pos and more pro-business. That, that, I think, is a difference, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, working within the same rules. That said, we are freer than the BBC are. So even going back to the Prescott thing, 
My, a reporter phoned me up and said, Prescott's punched someone. I trusted the reporter and I went straight on there and reported mm. it. You would not be able to do that on the BBC. And I think with Brexit now, the BBC, which in the end depends on the support of the government, mm. whoever good. it is at the time, doesn't know which way to jump yeah. on this. Whereas we have taken the view, because we've had the freedom to take the view, that the row goes on, that in spite of... Yeah. In spite of the referendum vote, you know, nearly half the country are not happy with it. It might not happen, therefore we're going to report both mm. sides. And I think the BBC, because of its connection to the political establishment, is much more uneasy making that case. And even although probably most of the people working at the BBC were Remainers, almost <coughs> because of that, they feel more cautious yeah, about right. making the Remainer argument. <coughs> I think BBC's hamstring, isn't it, by the fact that it's publicly funded, by the fact that it's bureaucratic, by the fact that all, all the things that we know... Well, you say hamstrung, but it just but ma it makes it the it makes biggest it gorilla... It slower or and all the rest of it. But isn't there a genuine problem in, you know, everyone thinks the BBC is biased against them. And if we do tear down the BBC... I'm not tearing it down. But I'm if, not but if down. all sides denigrate it, then truth is at stake. Now, I, I have my that. issues with the BBC, but you do have to be careful. I accept you've got to be careful, and, and, and the thing is, I do, look, and, and obviously I, I don't get into this debate that much because I've got my own, you know, history with the BBC, which is, you know, well known. And, um, and that was, but even despite that, at that time, there were individuals in the BBC that I utterly despised, and I still do. G and but that was what, Gavin Davies? No, no, Greg no, Dyke. no, it was basically one or two individuals within the Today programme, and I still despise them. John and Humphreys? No, not even, I mean, partly. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> um, no, because actually he was, anyway, let's not really, let's not really together. that. What I'd say though is this, I think that, you know, and just uh, sometimes when we had, we, when we were in government and there were crisis situations, it probably helped us that at a time that the BBC would kind of lean in favour of the government and what the government was saying. My beef with them around that time is they were doing the opposite to protect their own story, their own resources, whatever. But I think where we are now, Adam just made the, the right point. The referendum happened, <laughs> and, <coughs> and as a result, the BBC, and it's in writing, Tony Hall said, you know, th there was this note that went round, you know, yeah. the argument about whether we're leaving or not is now over. Well, that's not their job. Their job is to cover the debate as it then goes forward. And, you know, the People's Vote campaign, okay, sorry? So-called. So the so-called, thank you. Yeah. It's never a very good point. It's never the so-called taxpayers' alliance. Ideally. <laughs> so the so the so-called people's vote campaign. The we the you know now people are talking about it, right? But I promise you, back at the beginning, we could get zero interest. Now, to be fair to Sky. They were interested in it because, well, this is quite interesting, you know, because they're still going on. And we, 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 we didn't get equal billing with the government or the Labour, nor should we. But at this until we had that 700,000 people march, honestly, getting any real traction in B the BBC was very difficult. And I'll give you another example. I mean, I mean, in fact, I've written about this in the New European this week because I actually decided just for Christmas I'm going to write a piece without mentioning Theresa May or Jeremy Corbyn. And I did that, but I wrote about, I've, I've, I've logged in the recent weeks the number of bids I've had. And I'm not saying, you know, as Adam said earlier, I, we get bids all the time. So, and I could do media all day long if I wanted to. So I, I, think, I think Sky, LBC and Talk Radio were the, the most. Um, RTE, a lot. French and German television, quite a lot, because I speak French and German. 
Today programme, zero. 2018, I've had two bids from the Today programme, both have been about football. <laughs> now, I'm not, saying it's, I'm not saying that's a big deal, yeah. right? But it's a mindset. We don't want him on. Why not? Because he attacks us in public or because he's obsessed with Brexit, whatever. There's something going on there. I, I mean, it, 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 it's... Culturally, it's weird. What is good is to have plurality, <coughs> and, and BBC is funded. It's, it's very impressive. But, I mean, this has gone on for a long time. I mean, I remember, long time ago, you remember the Whitless Wonders back mm. in the 1990s when Sky was just starting? And, and one of the senior producer on the 6 o'clock news, he said to me, um, why are you covering the Whitless Wonders on Sky News? Um, and I, uh, he said, it's because Murdoch's told you to cover them, isn't it? And I said, no, I've never met, at that stage, I've never met or spoken to Rupert Murdoch. I said, the reason why I'm covering them is because I think they're going to rip apart the Tory party. And I think that's the story, and, it, and it's of interest. And what I didn't know was they're going to rip apart the country as well. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, there was a period where the BBC just ignored them. And on the other side, this same uh, six o'clock news editor uh, says to me, what are you doing about the Green Party? Because you remember they got 16% in the 1989 election. And I said, well, we're, you know, we're going to cover it like we covered all the other party conferences. And he said, who are you going to have on? And I can't remember, that, that woman who was a white witch, who was the, lead, who was the leader of, of the uh, Greens at the time. And I said, we're, we're going to do an, we're gonna do an interview, interview with her. And he said, oh, no, she's not a BBC type of person, we'd never have her on. So they're, so they're these kind of guesses which go on all the time. Although that said, we, we end up in Wolverhampton at the Green Party conference, and at the time, they didn't have a leader, they had six speakers who, who took it in turns to wear a green hat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's Santa's workshop. Yeah. Um, and, and, and my cameraman, we're up on the balcony over the, overlooking this, and my cameraman said, well, you know, what sort of pictures have you got? And I said, well, you know, we, we want some pictures of uh, typical greens. You know, a woman in the audience breastfeeding her baby would be really good. <laughs> and and, and the, cam the, cameraman, the, cameraman, the cameraman said to me, you prejudiced bastard. You know, you, you're just trying to make them into a cliche. It's complete nonsense. And he looked over the balcony and there were six of them. <laughs> But then, but then, in a way, I mean, you know, but in a but then, good. I mean, they were ahead of the curve, weren't they, in changing? Well, that was when David Icke was one of the speakers. But listen, Mark, this thing about the beef, this thing about the beef. So, like, you know, Europe, biggest issue of our times in so many ways, right? And Question Time, BBC Question Time, still one of those programmes that's kind of, you know, quite a big part of the of the debate. Nigel Farage, thirty-two times, right? All other MEPs, zero. I mean, you know, so it's yes. when, but when, so but when's your assessment start of that? But even, even look at the most recent thing, right? Theresa, <coughs> Theresa May says she wants to do a debate with Jeremy Corbyn uh, about Brexit ahead of the meaningful vote. Yeah? She never did, did she? No, she didn't. I don't think she wanted to do yeah. it. In fact, they were only trying to give the son a story, but that's a <laughs> different issue. But anyway, the prime, this Prime Minister, who's resisted debate, says she wants to do a debate. What, what does uh, her Alistair Campbell, um, Nick Gibb, who uh, uh, used to be Robbie Gibb, Robbie Gibb, not his brother, the Tory MP, uh, 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 what, 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 what does he do? Instead of going to broadcasters and say, we want to do this debate as a whole, you guys work out how you want to do it. He says, right, I want competitive bids from the yeah. different broadcasters. Yeah, that's right. 
So we said, okay, we'll do a debate, but you know, we can't offer a Sunday evening uh, terrestrial audience, so we weren't really in the running. ITV, to their credit, very quickly say, okay, you want to do a debate, we will give you the golden spot, you know, which basically was in the build-up to the final of I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here. They would have got a massive audience. They could have had the two of them on. And what does Downing Street do, which doesn't want to do it? It colludes with the BBC yeah. to put up a counter bid, which actually was doing it like question time, yeah. which means nobody gets a debate because Mrs. May says, I want to do BBC. He says, I want to do ITV. And you know that's why we're having this campaign at Sky saying, let's have an independent de debates commission. We don't want to run it. But that is an example of how there is a closeness between the establishment which could actually stymie the public and the but public also we always, the we, always, we always used to get accused of sort of, you know, running the BBC full of lefties. Mm. I mean, look at the links there. Robbie Gibb. You know, I mean, okay, there's nothing wrong with people going from broadcasting into politics, but let's not pretend... <laughs> well, I think there is. Well, there <laughs> might be. Yeah, there might be. But, but let's not pretend that the BBC of old was somehow kind of run by a bunch of trots. I mean, it's just absurd. But I think what was terrible about that, this is, that this is what's really wrong at the moment about this whole Brexit thing. It's the most important decision facing us, and it's like with the both t the main teams, Labour and Tory, the managers are basically, if you've got a football pitch there, they've told their teams to go out and knock the ball about in different corner flags <laughs> and just waste time, right? That's what's happening. But, there is but only one ball is allowed on the pitch. So one team is pretending to have the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I'll give you that. No, Theresa May has got the ball. Yeah. Jeremy's offering the other corner, pretending, pretending yeah. that he wants the ball. <laughs> <laughs> right? And it's like, so we've got incompetent government and fake opposition. So in, in terms of, um, and I, I'm guessing that we're in, we're in central London, it would be a, a Remain crowd. I'm a Remainer, you're a Remainer. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a personal view on Brexit? And are you allowed to say it? Would you want to say it? Well, famously, I don't vote. You would, well, be, you would be allowed to say I it. If you, you, you choose not to, I think that's the right thing yeah, to do. Yeah, I've always, I mean, one of my mentors when I started my career was the late, great David Frost. And, uh, and I, since I've been a, a political journalist, I haven't voted. And uh, most of my colleagues do, and I, I make no criticism for doing that. But I said to David, I don't vote. And he, and he said to me, I I don't know either. I mean, it's very difficult. They're all my friends. I can't choose. Well, I'm probably in the other restriction. <laughs> <that I'm laughs> uh, 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 but, but, but it kind of works out the same. And, and you know, my, you know I, I, what I will say is I'm not a fan of referendums. Yeah. Uh, and particularly, I'm not a fan of referendums on Europe for the simple reason that you know, we do all this polling of the top 10 issues worrying the public and membership of the European Union was never in the top 10. Yeah. So, so I think, you're, you know, I think the whole Europe thing is very, very complicated, but actually that's what I think you've got politicians and civil servants mm -hmm. for, to manage your relationship with your closer, closer out, right? So that's point one. Point two, and this is where Alistair and I part company to a certain extent, is that even though I don't think referendums is a good idea, if you have a referendum and you get a clear majority, I just don't see how you can argue with that within three years. I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I just think, you know, it's a mess and someone's got to clear it up. And, you know, Alistair was saying, you, you, know, you know, mocking Theresa May about losing her 
election in 2017, which was a kind of massive own goal. But mm. you know, if you apply that logic, the people's vote lost the referendum uh, back in 2016. No, we did, so we did, but the people's vote then didn't exist as a, a, a as a campaign. What you had was a, was a referendum. No, what you had was a referendum between Remain and Leave. Remain, and I agree with Adam, I wish it hadn't happened. I argued with Cameron every time I saw him, why are you doing this? Is you going to get <laughs> protest vote? I knew Labour people who were saying there's no way I'm voting it because it basically helps Cameron, even though they were Remainers. You had all the lies. I mean, all the stuff that we know about, you had the crimes and everything. And now I do think there is a testable proposal, and that is her deal. Um, and, you know, if it, it is so not what people voted for. It's like somebody said to me yesterday, this is not the Brexit I didn't vote for. Yeah, but I... Was, I, <laughs> <laughs> I but so it is. And I think it. it's like, I think that, you know, the idea that you shouldn't test that, and it's, we're now three years. Yeah, but let's three be years. honest, the reason why you want a referendum is because you want to reverse it. No, the reason... I want it to, is. No, it's true. No, where it are, I am at, listen, June the 24th, 2016, I said, I will do everything I can to make sure we don't leave the European Union. So exactly. Yes. Yes. But... The justifiable argument for that is that the promises were broken. The Brexit that was promised is not deliverable. It's not just about Theresa May. It's, it's not, not deliverable. It's not very amusing, this, is it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> but I, no, but I, I think that's why it's so important. I think, and you know, the idea that now we have a foreign secretary who goes on television and says we have to do this because people are bored of Brexit. I mean, it's fucking madness. Well, and, it's and it's like, it's the future of the country. Yeah. It's, it's a plaything. So I, 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 and the idea, that, the idea that if you believe as strongly as a lot of people do that the country is doing the wrong thing and that the politicians are now subverting that, because let's be honest, find me a single person who voted in June 2016 for this. I mean, it is... Who it voted for the chaos, for the mess, for the £4 billion for no deal. Nobody voted for no but, deal. But, you Nobody. know, it's, it's an interesting... Well, we'll, we'll take audience questions <laughs> yeah. in a bit. I mean, you, you are right about the, the foreign secretaries. I mean, the foreign secretary, in terms of foreign secretary's qualification, he doesn't even know whether his own wife is Chinese or Japanese. <laughs> yeah, but he does, spe he does speak both languages, which is, which is quite he, good for a foreign how, secretary. How could he not know? Yeah. I just yeah. never asked on the first date. It's got more awkward after that. Well, I... <laughs> I mean, his defence for that, his, his defence for that was he was just having a conversation yeah, with Chinese about his wife being Japanese. But you know, it, 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 this whole—I don't see why it's anti-democratic to have a referendum. I really don't. I, you know I don't what? As a, as a supporter of the People's Vote campaign, I sort of, I do understand why some people would say it was only a couple of years ago. And you lost. And sort of I do get that. Yeah, and, I get I, and I think it is a hard argument. But you see, I think there's an easier answer to this. All I would which, say is which is that three quarters of MPs think Brexit is a bad idea yeah. and not in the national well, interest. Stand up and say it. And my, exactly, yeah. that's my view. Yeah. It's, it, it, if that's what MPs think, <laughs> it is within their power to reverse it. And I think, uh, in this respect, yeah. I think troubling the voters is, is not the But listen, the other thing, you had Sarah Wilson last night. You know yeah. these late, you should get some of these, and you had Jess, who's been who's supporting that people's vote. People like Phil Wilson in Sedgefield, and yes. Anna Turley in Redcar, and Bridget Phillipson in, in Sunderland, right? Sunderland, we all know about what happened in Sunderland. They're, they're out there. What's happening with the Labour leadership is it's yeah. almost like saying, well, people voted, and that's that, and we have to sort of get on with it. But as if public opinion is like a mass that just stayed the same. And I think public opinion has moved. I'm not saying that lot, millions of people who voted Leave still want to leave. I respect well, that. Well, it's actually worse than that because Jeremy Corbyn doesn't want to implement no, what, want the, to what the Labour conference voted at. 
And uh, I think what, uh, he's, what he's really worried about is that these young people who love him and owe Jeremy Corbyn and all that, yeah. he's terrified of his real views on Europe being exposed to their real yeah. views. And that is not leadership and it's not honest. Yeah. Okay, we have, we have a, a small, limited time for some audience <coughs> questions. So I think we do have a roving mic. If not, shout. And we will give out gifts according to the quality of the question. So the lady with the brown hair, with a hand in the air, Jules will come over. And if we can ask for one-sentence questions, one-sentence answers, oh, and we right. can get around as many as possible, okay. hopefully two or three. You don't do the Labour thing, take three questions at once, so you choose the okay. one you want to answer. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Okay, so I'm very aware that this is the least diverse lineup in UK entertainment. But <laughs> all I would say is last night I had Sarah Wollaston and Jess Phillips. Listen, only two and all I would say, Adam, is it is very know. hard near Christmas to book <laughs> lineups and to get. Leavers, Remainers, Mayor, Firm. It's very hard, actually. Never, no, 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 but it's because I thought about addressing it at the start, because I'm very aware, and I just thought we had uh, two female guests last night, I got two male, and that was just pure chance that people's availability, and I wanted to put on the best guests I could possibly get, and sometimes it is very hard to get gender balance, <coughs> political balance, Leaver, Remainer, media, and all the rest of it. I think over the course of the year, people would know that I book as m many women as I do men, and I take the point. The woman that I... Um, <laughs> the... the I think the woman I most uh, admire is Emma Barnett. I think she's the best political interviewer in the UK. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have come. Uh, Pete, I beg you, Bar. Jesus. I have <laughs> come to admire <laughs> more than I used to uh, Nicola Sturgeon. I think I think she show on Brexit, and I, you know I, I saw your little banter with Pete earlier. Yeah. I understand they're all, always pushing for Scottish independence, but I do think that on Brexit, and I know maybe it's easy with two to one up there in favour of, of remaining, but I do think Nicola Sturgeon has shown real leadership on Brexit. Uh, which has been sadly lacking in the UK Parliament. Okay, and, um, and journalist, I do agree with Emma, Emma Barnett. I think she's a really, really, really good interviewer. Um, and also, I, you know, we slagged off the BBC earlier. Uh, I do think, given she gets shit from all sides, that Laura Kingsburg does a better job than she gets. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, <coughs> Adam, the, the women in politics and political roles. Well, I. The only sort of drawback, if you like, with Nicola Sturgeon is she may end up being uh, the kind of comforter for people who vote for Corbyn's Labour Party, that they get Nicola as a kind of a bonus. It'd be the reverse of the pocket handkerchief. I would say two politicians uh, who I do admire, uh, I think, um, who you had just night. I think Jess Phillips is great. I think uh, Anna Subri is great. Yes. But... but and, and I'm not just saying this because we've been colleagues for 35 years. I think uh, Kay Burley is a truly remarkable broadcaster. Mm. There are no women with her background at her age who are surviving in current affairs television other than Kay. You know, she didn't go to university. She's the daughter of a window cleaner from Wigan. And I think she's quite remarkable. Okay. <laughs> that was, uh, 
The great question of your prize is uh, why we get the wrong politicians by Isabel Hardman, which feels <laughs> related to the question. Uh, so if you would like to come and collect that, I shall pop it uh, over there. I don't have enough. Oh. I'll tell you what, we'll just pass it back. Throw it. Good. That's, I'm not going to chuck it. It's fucking hard. That's what I do, Matthew. Throw them. There you go. Thank you very much. Uh, so the next question. Yes, the, the chap over there. Um, just hold on. There'll be a microphone. It's very. I'll tell you what. The, it's going to be so hard to get to you. Just yeah. shout it, and that'll be fine. What fueled Brexit more, uh, John Major signed away the veto or Tony Blair opening the borders? Uh, there were both factors, but I think, I think the, the point Adam was making earlier about, you know, John Major had a really difficult job to manage his party and his government through, you know, very small majority, really, you know, real pressure inside the Conservative Party and the threat of what was the referendum party and then UKIP sort of growing. And the, the only thing I'd say about what we did in government uh, when we could have sort of, you know, applied a, a break, as it were. Um, at the time, the economy that we were trying to build and develop was crying out for more immigrant labour. It's a long sentence, this. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, straight, a straight answer, straight question, probably the second. Okay? But I think the single biggest cause of Brexit was the crash. And the feeling that the people who caused the crash got away with it and the people who didn't paid a price. I think that is the single okay. biggest driver. Uh, Adam? Uh, yeah, I would entirely agree with that and I, and I would also go further and I would say that it was one of those elections, and we do get them, used to be European parliamentary elections, where people felt they had a free hit uh, and they didn't really think it through, which is, I agree, uh, partly in support of uh, Alastair's claim, but I think it's too late now and sometimes uh, if you make your bed you have to line it. It was a great question, and you get a private eye annual for your trouble. It'd be great. And one final question, and if this question is good enough, Alistair said that he will give a signed copy. Was it of a book of their choice? Any. So it doesn't have to Call be one of all. his. Um, <laughs> great. A signed copy of Jeremy Corbyn, the candidate by... by <coughs> uh, yes, the lady in the middle. Uh, will we leave the EU in a no-deal scenario at the end of March next year? Well, I hope not. Uh, yes or no? <laughs> it isn't yes or no, I'm afraid. It is. It is. Look, I saw. <laughs> kind of is. I saw. It really isn't. Bec and I, I tell you what, I think there's too much complacency about this idea that Parliament <laughs> will reassert itself. It's done a reasonable job at times, but if you go back through all the sort of big missteps in history, right? They sometimes are accidental. So, and, and the thing about No Deal. Yes, it's. Wait a minute. Yes, it's. <laughs> Yes it, would, yes, it would be a catastrophe, right? But one of the reasons they're talking up in the way that they are, to get away from the fact her deal is absolutely terrible. And we mustn't lose sight of that. Her deal must not go through Parliament. Once it gets defeated, then other options have to come into play. And I wish to fuck the Labour Party would move on and get to the place they need to be in their policy, because they're not going to get a general election. Alistair Campbell. Uh, just to remind you that next week's question time is in Reading. And if you'd like to yeah, yeah. be yeah. in the audience, please. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say this is turning into question time, <laughs> at which I say that's the sort of attitude which might get us into hard Brexit. Um, uh, because uh, Mrs May, who is still Prime Minister and has been reinforced uh, uh, by, by that confidence vote, uh, she is trying to say there are two options, which are to leave 
in March with no deal or to leave with her deal. Uh, I think it's about 60-40. Uh, in the end, I think there'll probably be enough MPs, but we might be right down to kind of two days before we leave. I think there are enough MPs who would prefer the deal to uh, no Brexit, but I think it's going to be very hair-raising. And uh, with all due respect... <laughs> With all due respect to Alistair, I, I think that there is enough power out there to shut off the option of a people's vote. <laughs> very <laughs> thank you very much, Adam. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. For the, and you uh, have won a signed copy of a book of your choice. Uh, any book you like, go out and buy a better one and then get Alistair Campbell to sign it. And then, and then, yeah. But to end the show, first of all, ladies and gentlemen, please, uh, a round of applause for Alistair Campbell and Adam Bolton. <laughs> for this superb. Thank you. Uh, the show isn't over yet. Thank you to all of you for coming out. Genuinely, a Merry Christmas. Thank you for coming along to these. Uh, yeah, Merry Christmas. A lot of work and a lot of effort goes into putting these things on, so it's, it's always a delight when so many of you come out. So thank you. Uh, the uh, show will resume at the other palace throughout next year. Um, so thanks for coming down. I hope you've enjoyed it. Before you go, uh, as a special Christmas, and I should say, Alistair will be signing books uh, in the uh, lobby or in the, the, the upstairs bit. Um, this is the modern version of playing the national anthem. One of his 19 uh, versions, uh, one of his 19 different books, so they are available for, for uh, Christmas uh, up there. Please welcome back uh, to play us out, MP4! <laughs> and, is he ready? <laughs> and please welcome back, Alistair Campbell. Fucking <laughs> hell. There you go, Adam Bolton and Alistair Campbell. What a night that was. I mean, there were certain times where there wasn't so much tension. I thought there was a lot of deference between the two, actually, um, which was, was sweet. But obviously, there were phrases or, or things that Adam Bolton said where you could sort of tell what he meant, um, but maybe the language... Um, well, it just, as I said at one point, it felt like having... Uh, a, a relative round at Christmas. It was uh, there were times where I wasn't sure um, I'd heard what he'd said right, um, but they were both fantastic guests, and I can't thank them enough for doing it. It really was um, special, and we'll be back, of course, at the Leicester Square Theatre um, in almost a year, doing some more Christmas specials to keep you right for those. The political party itself returns at the end of this month with David Blunkett. I'm booking in guests for the rest of the year. Some of the people I've got penciled in and can't yet confirm are amazing. Um, so thank you for downloading it. I hope you had a great Christmas, um, whatever you were doing and wherever you were. Thanks for all your emails, by the way. And do keep emailing the show, politicalpartypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I've got loads over Christmas and some really good... Uh, suggestions. One from Matt Dent, who says, Dear Matt, I've been a listener to the podcast for a good while. Um... I thought it was high time I wrote to thank you for all the hours of fascinating listening. Well, thank you very much, uh, Matt. Um, 
He says, I wonder whether you've considered speaking to any figures in local government. It's a particularly interesting time in local government right now. I mean, Matt, I would say it's always an interesting time. As someone who works in local government, I think it's a really good idea. Um, and I've had local government people penciled in the past, so uh, that is something I'm absolutely looking at, and not just the big names. Um, I think you're spot on, and I think that would be um, uh, really interesting. Um, Lucas gets in touch and says, I'd love it if you do a special from Northern Ireland, preferably when the Irish border problem is still relevant. Well, I think that is a very, that gives me quite a big window, uh, Lucas, but you're absolutely right. I'd love to do one from Northern Ireland, um, or indeed get some guests from Northern Ireland on. Um, so thank you. For, oh, and thank, a special thank you, I should say, to, to Lincoln Jop, who got in touch to offer me a ticket um, for the Forest Chelsea game. Um, now, depending on when you listen to this, um, I won't make any predictions about the game, but Chelsea in recent years have had a very good record against uh, the team that I support, Nottingham Forest. I, I don't really hold out too much hope, but who knows. But that was very kind of him too. If you would like to offer me tickets for any major or indeed minor sporting or entertainment event, uh, do email me, politicalpartypodcast at gmail.com. Um, I'll see you in the next podcast, or I might even see you in the flesh uh, at a tour show. As always, thank you so much for uh, supporting the show. Share it where you can. Tell your friends and family about it. And if you find it within your heart to leave me a iTunes review, an iTunes review, my word. Um, I should get my grammar correct if I'm if I'm plugging for for compliments, shouldn't I? Oh my word! I think I'm I think I'm still full of Christmas Day food. I'm in a I'm in a um, roast potato coma, a, a, akin to the one that um, was almost the undoing of um, Brian Harvey. And on that note, Happy New Year! And I'll see you on the next show. Ta-ra!